Round one. Fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to episode 317 of the Hungry Gamers podcast, powered by 8bit.net and Audio Technica. I am not your extremely humble host, Brendan White, who can be found everywhere at Brendan8bit. I am your guest host, John O'Peck. You can find me everywhere at John himself. And joining me, keeping things legit, it's Miss Ali Hart. How are you doing? Hello. Welcome to the THG chair. Like, you are a you know regular that comes in every now and then, but it's uh, good to have you back. Yeah, I don't know if I've done it without Brendan. So, we're kind of in uncharted territory, mm. I feel. But, uh, you know, we don't, we don't need that guy. <laughs> He's 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 too busy on his uh, Brendan White World Tour yeah. somewhere Amsterdam Europe you know Where the how, how do you feel light. about recording without Brendan Oh it's fine you know my very first episode of the sorry that was the American in um mm-hmm. the very first episode of that I ever appeared on for the Hungry Gamers Brendan wasn't there Uh-huh I was I think I was the fill in for Brendan Okay so. the rest is history Yeah well, in that case, we're going back to uh, back to your roots as yeah. a Brendanless hungry gamers. But yeah, um, yeah it's, it's good to be here. It's good to, we've got you know, a lot of news to talk about. But we'll start as we always do with what have we been up to? Mm. Do you want to go first? Sure. I um, there was a game that I wanted to play, uh, but I never got around to it. And unfortunately, you know, recent news didn't make it any more <laughs> appealing. Um, but you know, it was on Game Pass, so I thought I'd give it a spin, and that uh, is High on Life by Squanch Games. And I stopped playing it. I um, I found no it. No bueno. Yeah, I just found it very uh, monotonous and just not appealing. Like, like I get why people kind of like it if they're fans of the humor. But I feel like this game deliberately mm. tries to halt any progress and make you just pay attention to the surroundings and interact with all of these little comedy bits that are happening around you as opposed to just progressing the game. And I'm usually a person that likes kind of going off the beaten path and experiencing things. But this game really, it felt like just hurdles. It just felt like absolute walls to stop you from progressing in the game. And overall, the gameplay was fine, but I just... I had absolutely no ambition to keep playing it, and I'm not going to push through it. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah, I I wonder what the drop-off on this game will be now that Justin Roiland, who's tied closely to the studio and the voice acting in the game, is, I don't know if cancelled is the right term, but he's been in a lot of problems and, you know, he's been kicked off Rick and Morty and... He doesn't seem to be on the up, really. It's it's much the other way around with all the stuff that's coming out about him. It would be hard for for some people to to play the game hearing that voice and knowing that it's you know it's it's his it's associated product. with yeah. such a yeah, yeah yeah no exactly and it, it definitely kind of was in the back of my mind. I don't know maybe it was something that was kind of sitting in there as well that probably tarnished the experience. But I mean. I could tell that I just, in general, wasn't having fun with it. So, mm. 
Um, and I think that's the, like one of those things that I always try to maintain is that if you're not having fun, if you're not enjoying it, just put the game down and just yeah. move on to something else. Yeah, for sure. And he's gone from the studio now, so I wonder if they, you know, what kind of future they have, especially because like what you kind of wonder, like, what is it without him? Like, it's yeah. just, yeah. you know, the, the, the game's so much built on, you know, if you've never watched Rick and Morty, there's probably nothing in the game that's going to grab you necessarily or appeal to to you unless you just happen to see a clip that, that makes you laugh. But yeah, uh, the thing I've heard is that it's either a game that you find funny and you want to get through it and experience it and have, have fun or it just doesn't land and that seems to be where it's hit yeah. for you. Yeah, I think that's where I sit. Do you usually ping pong on this one or do you want to finish Look, off I'm just with... going to cut to the chase. <laughs> I played Fortnite. I know none, no one really cares. Everyone doesn't yeah. like hearing about other people playing it, but I'm going to be honest. Fortnite took up most of my time this week and I'm getting better at it and I just wanted to throw that gloat out there. Okay, guys? So <laughs> I, I was being very negative about it in the last few weeks, but I'm getting better. Okay, so if we're going to talk about Fortnite, give us the proper update. Like, are you using a new character this week, or are you skin? Like, what's the what's the go? No, I'm consistently my little nightmare demon girl. Um, I have found my perfect frightening character that um, is perfectly <laughs> encapsulate myself. I think as a personality, so I like running around with her and just terrifying people. Um, and I think I've just like I usually am a safe player, like a like a I guess it's kind of shitty, but a person that kind of hides and hopes for the best. Um, okay. But I am playing more aggressively. So is that what they call camping? In I that guess world? they call. I don't know. I always associated camping with, uh, with snipers. Ca- right. With snipers, yeah. But I'm yeah. terrible at sniping. So. <laughs> so, so it's more just high. It's just cowardly hiding until Cow- everyone's yep, gone. Pretty much, <laughs> just like hugging the wall and praying for the best and hoping I get the the the, the better of one person yeah. by one team uh, at a time. So it's but, Hunger yeah. Games style, you know. You got to be in it. In it to win it, and yeah. maybe hiding is the best tactic. I still have and yet to play Fortnite. I don't know if that makes me one of the last standing. Possibly, but I did download it once. <laughs> I possibly like maybe maybe you'll enjoy it. The whole no build mode really changed it for a mm. lot of us. So you know, it might, it might scratch an itch for you, or just not be appealing at all. But eh, no harm in trying, I guess. It's always there if I feel the the need, the or need, if they yeah. if they re- if they release, I don't know. Another one of my favorite characters that just pulls me in. But if they haven't got me by now, I'm kind of like, what's it going to be? What's it going to take it? Yeah. yeah. But we'll see. Uh, so, what have I been playing? I finished Hogwarts Legacy this week, which I know a lot of people just don't want to hear about in general. So, uh, we'll save that for the spoiler cast with Brendan when he finishes it, which will probably be in the coming weeks, perhaps the tail end of March. Mm hmm. Uh, I started Atomic Heart, which hit Game Pass and uh, PS5 and PC this week, and having some mixed experiences with it, which is probably in line with what's the general narrative about this game. Uh, Have you touched it or even watched footage or anything? I've I've watched footage um, because I that was another game I was intending to play, but was kind of side like kind of. I, I saw some negative press and then I just also saw some general review scores and opinions that were very consistent amongst mm. outlets. Um, and I was just like, oh, so I haven't really gone to rush to start it up. I may still try it because visually it looked really nice. Like I, a lot of the graphic fidelity looked really good. Yes. But 
Yeah, for, for some people, I can see this being like a, an eight or an eight and a half, and mm-hmm. for others, like a six. So it, it is going to depend on how much you care or how much you get sucked into the the world they've made and the design because there are some really cool elements and the visuals are really impressive. It's up there with, you know, some of the most detailed environments that you see in in a you know Unreal Engine kind of uh, 3D photo real game and that's a really cool part of it and you know the lighting and the some of the like actual design choices with with some of the technology that's in the game is really interesting so if that's like appealing to you and enough to to suck you in and and satisfy you then i think that you probably like it and have a good enough time but there's just a lot in there that's i don't want to say half baked because maybe it's what they were intending at the studio but just just doesn't hit for me like some of the movement doesn't feel right some of the combat like it's very slow to take off there's like a almost 35 minutes before you get thrust into like the action of the game and that's quite a long time especially a lot of it's on rails so you're just kind of sitting and watching um even if it's beautiful there's only so much that you can take when you know, you're playing a video game. Yeah. And then there's, you know, an even longer amount of time before you go from like a melee weapon to a gun. And I know that like there's, you know, potentially it's it's trying to go after like an homage to Half-Life 2 or to like Bioshock. But I don't really think it's fair to those two games, which are, you know, depending on who you talk to, some of the, the best games ever made um even though there are some similarities with those things um it's it's definitely not at that level of polish especially from something like bioshock so i know that there's people that are like oh it's like if bioshock was made today and i I don't think that's accurate just because of the way that it plays Um, but i am only probably two or two and a half hours in so it might get better and already i've started to come across more interesting enemies like for a long time it's just robots and i can't tell you how boring it is to fight robots in any game. Like, it's just, just doesn't hit the same way as a monster or something. <laughs> you need that mortality. You need that blood. <laughs> you need that. Uh, I mean, the, the, it's creepy when a robot is just like expressionless, you know, it's kind of Terminator style. Like, True, it's, yeah. it, it can work, but if that's the only thing that you're fighting, um, it just gets old really quickly. So, fortunately, I've, I've stumbled across some monsters. So, maybe this game gets better. Uh, I think Brendan's planning on playing it because he definitely mentioned that he was interested when we were chatting about it earlier. But um, when he eventually gets around to it, maybe he'll give more of a full picture of uh, of his experience. So, that's what I've been playing. Uh, as far as like TV and everything, Poker Face is a show that I wanted to give a shout out to. Have you caught any of this at all i haven't watched it but i've actually been getting a lot of ads for it recently okay. and the actress is always quite curious to me how she maintains roles so yeah natasha leone she's mm. she's great i love her like she's the kind of actor with like a, a vocal delivery that you can kind of just watch her in anything and mm-hmm. she's gonna give you a performance that's at least interesting if nothing else um, so she's Natasha Leone's been involved, I think, as like an EP or something on this show, which is a Ryan Johnson um, written and kind of driven TV show. And the the thing that makes this cool, okay, so it's it's about someone who's basically a, a human lie detector. And the thing that's different is that it's essentially 
a procedural show, much like the old-fashioned, you know, Columbo or mm. like Murder She Wrote or whatever, where she's kind of solving a different crime every week with this super ability to detect lies. But she's on the run herself, so she's not working with the police. Oh. She's kind of operating on the fringe for her own curiosity. And Ryan Johnson, you know, he's um, you know, you take Star Wars out of the equation because that's quite divisive and it's just oh, yeah. easier not to, to to involve that. But you know, Knives Out and Glass Onion, and he's like directed Breaking Bad, and he's done a whole lot of stuff before we knew about him from um, from Star Wars. But yeah, he's he's quite a, a good writer when it comes to crime, and the way that this show's structured is that you see the crime unfold in like the first kind of 15 minutes and it's almost like a mini short story and then it's like a flashback to see her involvement with the character that was killed and why she's interested in figuring out what actually happened to them and solving it so it it is one of those things where each episode is its own self-contained story much like tv was made like in the 90s and early 2000s so it's kind of a throwback to that and for that reason it's it's quite fun to just check in with once a night or every every couple of days. You might have sold me on that. I do love a good like mystery crime solving mm. kind of, especially if there's any kind of twist in these episodes. And um, oh yeah, lots of twists. Ooh, okay, <laughs> I might have to really look into this one then. I love that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's got that old school kind of procedural feel, but it's shot like a like a modern show. Yeah. So th- there's a lot to like there, and they're in a different location every week. That kind of dictates like. The, what's what's unique about that episode as, as mm. she kind of travels across America. So get into it, give it a shot. It's, I think, on Peacock over there and Stan in Australia. Mm. Uh, also checking out Your Honor Season 2 on Stan over here. I'm not sure what it is on in the States, but that's Brian Cranston's um, latest TV oh, show. Yeah. I know Brendan was a fan of the first season, which ended with like a really heavy gut punch. Um, I'm trying to get him to watch second season so hopefully talking about it on the hungry gamers will convince him to catch up because the second season's been not uh, almost equally intense as the first season for different in a different way Uh, and the the last series i wanted to mention before we get into the rest of the show is the last of us obviously you guys have dropped this in past episodes but hey this is my only chance to be on the podcast while this show's <laughs> running, so I get to mention it this time. Are you up to date with it, Ali? Have you I kept am with it? Not. I don't know why I haven't actually. You never kept failed to disappoint me when it comes to the, the last, last of us. us? Ali. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying my best. I am watching it. I thought this would be my opportunity for us to both be on the same level of appreciation for once, but no. I mean, at where I left <laughs> off, I appreciate it. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you. See, this is this is the great thing about this show or one of the great things because everyone's digging it mm-hmm. but people who for whatever reason didn't gel with the game or they didn't even watch it or, or play Realize it it's or, based on a game yeah or even people that don't play games at all like you said i'm glad that they get to experience this story that's been done so well and you know like a director's cut of of the game in in some ways but um there's just like as a fan of this game, you know, as a stand for this game, there was always this like little niggling feeling in the back of my head, like, am I only so much into this because it's a game and we have lower expectations for games when it comes to narrative? But seeing how well it's translated to the screen and how much the world, not just the gaming audience, is loving it, that's really uh, vindicating and um, 
I just can't get enough of it. So bring on the last, I think we're in the final three episode stretch here where things are getting really intense. What's that? Uh, a bit of housekeeping. Of course, you can support what we're doing here at 8-Bit over at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash we are 8-Bit. You can pick up all of the delicious, tasty uh, merchandise at shop8bit.net. And videogamesandculture.com is our website for all things 8-Bit. That's, you know, it's still 8-Bit.net, like they're the same thing. But this is just a, a tastier uh, URL and it, it looks really nice, you know. it's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's looking good. If people haven't checked it out, it's been up like that for, I don't know, six weeks, two months, yeah. something like that. But if you haven't looked at it, go just take a, just take a quick, little, quick little look at videogamesandculture.com because, you know, Brendan put a lot of work into that he and did. I think it looks fantastic. Speaking of uh, work that Brendan's putting in, check out More Than Hentai, an anime podcast. It is, uh, what, how many episodes have come out now? Is it talking like four or five yeah i feel like it's four or five yeah yeah somewhere around there it's hitting those those regular releases which is always encouraging doing really well in the charts which helps i guess helps the the motivation to keep that going and uh, everyone that's been on there seems to have had a really good time i did an episode you did i don't know if it will ever air (laughs) i don't know if it will ever air because um i'm not the fan that everyone else is but we'll see I'm sure, and Brendan, I'm just wondering if Brendan's like, we'll bury this one, but uh, you might hear me on more than hentai in the really near future. Really feel like it needs to be released. Like yeah. the fact like, that I've just heard you say the title like multiple times is just gold for me. So <laughs> release the the Jono cut. Yeah, release the Jono cut. <laughs> yeah, and the last thing we'll say as far as housekeeping is to join our Discord. It's probably a good time to mention that over in the Eight Bit Discord. You can take part in our next pizza bet. Bets are coming in for Star Wars Jedi Survivor. So let us know what you think that's going to land on as far as the Metacritic reviews. The closest prediction, with the Price is Right rules, of course, will uh, win themselves a free pizza, courtesy of Mr. Brendan 8-Bit. So that's it for the housekeeping. Should we get into the news, Ali? Let's do it. This week's news headlines. Presented by Audio-Technica. All right, we've got quite a bit of news because it's been a good week for kind of medium-sized <laughs> news bites. Mm. We'll kick it off with one that I'm hoping you've got some strong feelings about. Mortal Kombat 12 was announced on a Warner Brothers earning call, of all things. David Zaslav, Warner Brothers Discovery's president and CEO, announced the game will release this year. Netherrealm, the studio that that makes the game, is yet to comment as of recording. What a bizarre way to announce a huge game, Ali. Isn't this weird? It's slightly suspicious. Like, I'm very skeptical. Like, we have, although we bring it up a lot on this podcast, but uh, the whole idea of generating hype and, you know, getting the release and doing a lot of teaser trailers and then leading up, like, is very common now, very common practice. And then to say that not only that there is finding out that there's going to be a Mortal Kombat 12, but then finding out that it's going to still come out this year without us not really hearing anything about it, Mm. seems pretty wild. It is. And I have to imagine if you're, like, a NetherRealm social media or marketing manager, you'd just be like, they did what? (laughs) Like, this this can't have been the plan for how this game was meant to be revealed like usually there's a trailer or there's at least a, a graphic trailer or, at least, yeah. or a, a logo or something but 
you know, it, it's kind of like the worst kept secret because I think the Johnny Cage voice actor has been like unable to oh, keep quiet about yeah. it. Yeah, um, I think I remember tweeting out like that. photos of being at the Warner Brothers studio, like all kinds of little things that they just like, hey, can you just can you delete that, please? <laughs> we'll find another Johnny Cage. Yeah, but I know like you're a big like Mortal Kombat movie buff. Does the game? How's the game resonate? Some people call it an apologist, but yeah. Well, apologist, <laughs> obsessive, whatever yeah. word you want to choose. <laughs> I do like my Mortal Kombat movies. Um, uh, like I, I always like when a new Mortal Kombat comes out, especially when the graphic fidelities are getting better and better and better. Because I mean, mm. what makes Mortal Kombat is character design, and then obviously the very specific fighting move sets that you have with the fatalities and such. It's very graphic, very very detailed. Mm. Um, so I, that's why I kind of I'm I'm kind of a bit disappointed. I'd like to see some stuff now, like yeah. If you're talking about it and you think it's coming out this year, then show me. Is it the kind of thing that you prefer to watch it than play it? I'd say it's half-half. Like, I'm not good. Like, I've never been good at fighting games. I am a button basher. Um, But I I do enjoy just the carefree nature of playing a fighting game, as long as the other person isn't taking it too seriously. Um, But I also Mm. enjoy watching. I like seeing the tournaments and I like seeing people that are pretty skilled at it. So... I mean, the fighting scene's always loving new content, so... Yeah, and this year they have a lot to feast on because we've got a new Tekken game, a new Mortal Kombat game, and a new Street Fighter game, Mm -hmm. which we'll get to a little bit later. Okay, so the next little one is a statement that came from Bethesda on Twitter announcing that Shinji Mikami is leaving Tango Gameworks in the coming months. He's been an executive producer on, uh, you know... A lot of the games that have come out of that studio over the past probably six, six or seven years, I'd say. But the statement described him as a creative leader and supportive mentor to young developers of the Evil Within franchise, Ghostwire Tokyo, and of course, Hi-Fi Rush. Best known, I'd say, for his work at Capcom, uh, Mikami's son was the director of the original Resident Evil, the original Dino Crisis. Shout out to Brendan. And Resident <laughs> Evil 4. So I'm thinking all eyes are going to be on where he lands next. How do you feel as a fan of Hi-Fi Rush especially? <laughs> well, that's what I thought was quite surprising is that um, with the release of Hi-Fi Rush, there was definitely a lot of attachment um, to his name. And then for it, like the game, like you would kind of expect that if the game came out and it did horribly and then he's like, I'm out, people would mm-hmm. probably be like, oh, that, I understand why. But Hi-Fi Rush was a massive success and it did extremely well. And now he's just like, I'm out. So, yeah, like, I don't know how much input he um, had in the creation of that that game. But still, like, he was the driving force in, the, in a lot of the advertising and uh, pushing the game forward. So, um, yeah, I wonder where he's going. I wonder if he's going to join someone or create something yeah. of his own. There was advertising for Hi-Fi Rush. <laughs> they just dropped that game. I mean, yeah, there, like I, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I guess it is like a form of advertisement. Yeah. just like doing an announcement, but yeah, he he was there. It's interesting that like he's this horror guy. Like he's been part of these horror franchises for you know thirty years. Uh, yeah, and then Hi-Fi Rush comes out. That's very much not that, and he's leaving. I don't. I'm not speculating, but it's interesting. But you know the the in, the the good part of this is it's, it's like in the coming months they say he's leaving, so it's not like he's been forced out or he's like quit abruptly. Um, I, I do wonder: is he starting a studio? Is he joining yeah. 
another major developer? Is he going back to Capcom? Like, it's just, um, yeah, curious where he lands next because it doesn't sound like he's retiring or anything like no. that. No. All right, a quick little hitter here via uh, GameIndustry.biz. Sega, or depending on how Aussie you are, Sega announced a 30 to 35% pay rise for their Japanese staff this week. That's the story. We call out shady moves at the major studios and developers and publishers all the time. So I think it's only fair to give some kudos for positive moves like this that uh, invest in their people and their staff members. Yeah, I, I agree. It's always better to also highlight the good stuff, especially yeah. in regards to pay rise. We, we see a lot of times where um, studios or uh, developers teams are finding it hard to live off a, a, a wage and then being used up and doing extra hours and crunch and not really seeing the financial benefits for it. So I assume and I assume that like everyone's struggling in the economic space with um, cost of living just being mm. ridiculous. So yeah, I think it's a positive for Se- Se- Sega. Sega. <laughs> Sega. Yeah, Sega. I think it was there the whole time in that Sega <laughs> intro, but we still walked around saying Sega. I don't know. In my brain, I heard Sega. Sega. (laughs) I guess uh, Sonic Frontiers did well enough to, you know, boost their coffers for for a pay rise like this. But, um, yeah, I wonder... It'd be be nice to hear more stories like this, you know, out of studios that have have especially done exceedingly well. You know, we're going to be talking about some games coming up in the news that have sold very, very well. And, you know, why not let the staff who created that situation benefit instead of just the CEO and the shareholders. Anyway, the DICE Awards happened yesterday as of recording Mm -hmm. uh, and just the quick, you know, surface level takeaways from this was that uh, seven wins for God of War Ragnarok by (laughs) my count. Uh, Kind of echoing the Game Awards, I guess, which makes sense. I think they were the biggest, you know, most successful studio to to walk out of that, Santa Monica. But Elden Mm. Ring, just like at the Game Awards, took out Game of the Year plus four other awards. So uh, pretty good showing there. And then we wanted to just quickly shout out some games that we're fans of here at 8-Bit. Tunic, Mm -hmm. which won Best Independent Game, and Ali's Precious Vampire Survivors for Best Action Game. Happy to see some of these results. Yeah, I was absolutely flabbergasted when I saw Vampire Survivors got that win there for action game, especially against uh, beloved titles as uh, Bayonetta and um, Neon White has a very strong fandom along with Sifu. So, yeah, (laughs) I was pretty happy for that one. And Tunic. Tunic was great as well. So, um, I I always am curious to see the uproar um, of uh, God of War fans, especially... When you kind of start counting the awards they win, but then they don't win Game of the Year, which apparently yeah. is the measurement that people like to use for what uh, counts as a Game of the Year winner. But um, It's funny, isn't it? I, I guess they just excelled in enough places when it comes to, you know, sound and music and voice acting and uh, narrative. But then Elden Ring's coming along and proving that those things are all great, but there's this other element of games and that's what's resonated with uh you know 20 million people as we have in our next news item Elden Ring has now reached the milestone of 20 million copies sold 
reached uh, 12 million copies about a year ago, I read. So that's, uh, you know, that was just 17 days after its release, which means in the following 12 months, it sold about 8 million copies. Pretty impressive. And um, for a game that is not known to be accessible or easy, uh, it's really remarkable that there is a market that's this big for games mm-hmm. that are that crushingly difficult and um, obtuse. Yeah, I, I I think that um, the community or the gaming community, I guess, in general that um, plays these games, streams these games and like has conversations about it really have shone an interesting light that has gotten more people curious and involved to try these games. Um, it probably also helps that one of the main things that people said about this game is that in comparison to the other similar game styles, this one is actually a little bit more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not easy and comparative to other games but of the genre it was actually a bit bit more user-friendly and it is beautiful and there's a lot of lore and story in there that you can experience if you want there's a lot of messed up story in there too but um yeah it's it's good to see that the game has continued to succeed and continued to make sales and it wasn't just a a release fluke or the hype as some people would call it so absolutely i'm still yet to pick up the game but I will at some point. So it will reach 20 million and one, one. at least. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just love, you know, you guys have talked about this a lot, but it's, I think it's worth saying again, like I just love that they've zigged where so many studios zag in terms of, you know, not play, not holding the player's hand and not necessarily making things easy. It just flies in the face of conventional game design from what I've heard. And um, it makes you wonder... Will other studios tend to follow it? Will they look at it as a exception that proves the rule? You know, only they can get away with that in the same way that only James Cameron can get away with making a movie that's three and a half hours long and everyone goes to it. I think, um, yeah, Elden Ring might be the Avatar 2 of the game world. <laughs> that is quite the quote. <laughs> Clip that one out. Yeah. <laughs> that's quite... but there's quite there's some parallels there. It's like It's like only... This studio can get away with doing some of this stuff, though. Am I right? I granted, yeah. Like, there's definitely certain choices that can be made in this game that you can connect to the others. That people are like, yeah, it makes sense that they they can do these kind of risks and it would pay off. There's a lot of background in there that kind of supports that execution and it mm. being done well. But um, I think we always see like those little gems that come out in the gaming scene where even like indie developers they take risks and like kind of don't follow like the copy cut you know copy style like like general other games kind of cookie do the cutter. cookie yeah. cutter thank you very much um and then they take these risks and they uh some of them obviously maybe get a bit of uh, obtuse so mm. it doesn't gravitate to a lot of people but then other people take the risk and then they they're onto something new and then like you said sometimes people copy and follow suit yeah, and it's interesting in the wake of talking about Atomic Heart because they've made some choices in that game that I feel like aren't player-friendly necessarily. And okay, it, yeah. for me, it doesn't work. Like there's less checkpoints than you would want in this type of game uh, or less opportunities to save, however you want to look at it. Sure. And that means that sometimes you're having to repeat the same sequence over and Ooh. over. And if your game is so fun that you don't care or it's like you know, got an approach of experimentation and that kind of thing. Like, it doesn't matter. But this isn't the type of game for me where it's 
just as much fun the fifth time as it is the first time, you know, like like other games are. I get what you mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, for people that don't want to hear about that wizard game, maybe skip forward 30 seconds to a minute because we're just talking about sales here and Hogwarts Legacy has reached 12 million copies in 14 days, which is three days quicker than Elden Ring that I mentioned just before. And we know that it's also generated $850 million in that time. So it's very popular. It's doing very well. Do we think it could reach the 20 million that Elden Ring made? How far do you think this one could go i think it's not going to slow down for some time no it, it's it's not going to hit the brakes and if, if anything that like social media is still pretty active people are still sharing the content online and then there are just people that have no connection to the gaming space whatsoever and just you know a part of the fandom or have mm. family members part of the fandom so they the purchases will still continue on and I don't I don't see why it would just halt now so yeah especially we have like PS4 and Switch versions still coming which is going to be oh. huge even though you know those versions won't be as polished or as or run as well as as the current versions we have but with the player base that we have on the Switch and the PS4 you got to think there's still millions and millions to oh, come yeah. this year so yeah stay tuned for that Next story, and the last one before we kind of get into the, you know, the heavier news items out of the quick hitters, we've got um, reports that, you know, all three major platform holders were skipping E3. Now we're hearing Nintendo has confirmed to IGN it will indeed be missing the event that's currently slated for June. And as Brendan has predicted, the final E3. (laughs) It's not confirmed yet, but we'll see. No, it's not confirmed yet, but I mean, how else do you run it uh, when the major players aren't there? Um, I couldn't help but think, like, um, seeing, like, all these big names kind of bail out and remember how um, with the Australian packs, there was a lot of mention of people saying that it it was very noticeable that, Mm. you know, the, the big players in the gaming space were not there, so... I mean, th- that was just for PAX Oz. I can only imagine how evident it will be in a major showcase like E3. Oh, yeah. Like, one of the things about PAX is that that's only a small part of why people go to that convention. It's sure. a social event. It's, you know, tabletop. It's all the gear and equipment. And I don't necessarily, you know, I've never been to E3, but I don't know that the interest is in, well, let's go check out the Alienware booth or... Audio Technica booth. Shout out to Audio Technica, or um, you know, it, it's it's very much around those conferences, those four major ones. You got the Bethesda conference, you got the EA one as well. So you know, there will be a bit of juice there if the big publishers still want to be involved. Um, but it definitely brings it from you know the undisputed champion of conferences amongst or even below some of the other ones that are starting to gain a bit more steam, Gamescom, Summer Games Fest, uh, you know, Tokyo Game Show. There's a lot of conferences and it's probably going to sink amongst those rather than be, you know, the granddaddy of them all. Do you believe that these um, studios are halting off E3 because they feel like they're like kind of strapped for um, major announcements and believe that the exclusivity and main eyes will be focused on summer games fest um i think that well 
I'm mostly in the PlayStation Eco sphere, and that I think they have a lot to announce. I think there's a lot that we haven't seen because we don't really know what's coming apart from you know a, a few select titles, and we haven't even seen footage from those ones, like Spider Man and Wolverine and The Last of Us uh, factions. We don't know what uh, Sucker Punch is working on. There's just so much for them to announce when they're ready to announce. Um, so yeah, I think the past few years especially covid and what we've learned from from that experience of going away from the physical in-person events is they've realized they can save heaps of money by not you know just imagine how much money they sink into these conferences with yeah. the live performances and the guests and everything like getting Keanu Reeves on stage or whatever it is <laughs> um you're stunning. Is that what it was? Uh, you're beautiful. <laughs> you're beautiful. I don't know. Whatever it, no, it was. was. It was something like that, yeah. Breathtaking. You're breathtaking. <laughs> He's all those things. So, anyway. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you, you take that away and the message can get out there just as easily. You know, we're going to talk about a state of play later. They don't. It doesn't hold the same level of probably like live eyeballs, but the news is still going to trickle out and reach the people that it's aiming to reach. And, you know, another thing about E3 that people don't often talk about is that it, a lot of it was for traditional media, you know. Yeah. Um, the Washington Post and the New York Times and Forbes or whatever it is to attend and, you know, rub shoulders with the studio execs and whatever it is, but they're not as important as they used to be with social media and influences and, uh, you know, all the avenues we have for advertising and marketing now. So it's just a changing world. And I think the studios think that instead of sharing a week of announcements with their competitors, they can have a bit more of the market share by picking a week that there's not as much going on and that's probably what we'll see but mm. yeah i think you know brendan could be right with his prediction it could be the last e3 um or it could just continue as a lesser event you know they might adjust their expectations and give us slightly less turns you know. into a newsletter it's all about expectations and you know like packs you know if you go there expecting the big developers and big first parties to be there you're going to be disappointed but if you know that it's not going to be that and it's going to be more about the indies and the the social aspect then you're going to have a great time and i don't know if that is possible with the way e3's been structured in the past sure, and its yeah. reputation but we'll see we'll see how they pivot if they have a good team still working there then i'm sure they'll find a way to survive mm. Okay, so we're going to do a little pivot into some movie news. Uh, Warner Brothers and New Line are going back to Middle Earth. They're going on an adventure uh, with the studio making a deal that will allow it to develop more Lord of the Rings movies. I know you're not a big Lord of the Rings fan, Ali, but just bear with us for this one. (laughs) Apparently amongst its treasure trove of gaming IPs, Embracer Group also owns the rights to J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings books and The Hobbit. Did you know Embracer Group tendrils reached that far? No, I didn't. I no. Maybe we had mentioned in the past, but I guess, yeah, I didn't yeah. pay attention. Yeah, I was like, okay, so they are taking over the whole world, sure. Um, in a mm-hmm. statement, 
Those working on the projects acknowledged the task ahead, quoting the CEO of Free Mode, which is part of Embracer. We understand how cherished these works are and working together with our partners at New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers Pictures, we plan to honour the past, look to the future and adhere to the strongest level of quality and production values. So we're getting more Lord of the Rings movies. I don't know whether that means it's the Lord of the Rings universe of Peter Jackson. Maybe is it something to do with the Rings of Power on Amazon? Is it something completely yeah. different? Um, but very interesting. And from what I've seen in social media so far, people are kind of like, no, leave it alone, which um, yeah. kind of surprised me. Oh, really? Because, yeah. I mean... It's it's a very beloved work, and then I think it was always a big risk for people to see when the books got turned into the original movies. Mm. And then I think we saw some kind of pushback when they started producing the Hobbit series, because I know there was a lot of anger about that the book wasn't that big, but they managed yeah. to draw it out into so many movies. And then I... I don't rem- remember how much people enjoyed the series that recently came out. I feel like that was pretty mixed on whether people loved it or hated it. So mm. I think it is very risky for them to say like, oh yeah, no, more movies. We're going to make some more movies. Yeah, it just seems like the thing to do now. Like you look at, you know, Star Wars and the way that now we have three seasons a year of Star Wars TV shows and... People seemingly can't get enough of it, which makes me interested what the difference is with Lord of the Rings. Like, they're both beloved IPs. Um, they're both set in universes that can be expanded quite easily to tell stories that we haven't heard before. Uh, but, you know, there are some people that push back against the uh, oversaturation of Star Wars. Um, so, I guess there'll always be people that are for and against a move like this, but maybe it's just like don't mess with Frodo and like that's that kind of core story that we've had done well already yeah uh, also in movie news but moving into the game space as well Bloomhouse announces it's going to make indie horror games too if that name doesn't mean anything to you it's the film production studio behind Megan or depending on how Aussie you are Megan Get Out the Conjuring movies and the Paranormal Activity franchise, they've announced a move into video game development. From their press release this week, Bloomhouse Games will partner with independent game developers to bring their creative vision to life via original horror-themed games for console, PC, and mobile audiences. In the spirit of its film business, Bloomhouse Games will target indie budget games below $10 million US, to enable innovation and pushing creative boundaries. Ali, what are your thoughts on this one? I love the um, titles that they've released uh, that have been attached to Bloomhouse. Um, And it would only make sense to me that a group that has been really nailing the horror kind of subgenre in movies and really testing out what is scary and what is like new avenues of scary. I feel like moving into the gaming space is just a brilliant move Um, and a great way to push um, the horror gaming franchise, which I always say needs more support because there's there's some great titles out there and some creative minds that are making scary games and I just think we should just be pushing them more forward. Yeah, just looking at some of the stuff they've worked on, it 
makes you wonder what they could do in the game space. And obviously, we know from from playing horror games that there's an extra level of, uh, uh, you know, what's the word? Jumpiness? <laughs> like it's, it's, it's scarier, it basically, scary, when yeah. you're in control and you are the one being attacked or whatever it is. So, yeah, to, to see what they could do with their, their hands on... Uh, on the tech of, of video games, yeah, it makes you makes you curious. And who will they actually partner with? Which which game developers will they go alongside to create these games? So I'll be interested to see because you know they are, as I said, indie budget games below ten million dollars. Hmm. The next news item via Gamespot, you know, Brendan is obviously our team green man when it comes to uh to 8-bit so i'm just gonna throw this little dig in at microsoft here i think it's it's well earned it's a provisional findings report that's revealed some more details on how xbox game pass affects sales overall for for microsoft this is of course part of the investigation and the ongoing look into the activision uh acquisition Mm -hmm. so according to microsoft base game sales do decrease after inclusion on Game Pass, the report states Microsoft also submitted that its internal analysis shows a redacted percent decline in base game sales 12 months following their addition on Game Pass. Later in the report, internal Microsoft documents also recognize that Game Pass does cannibalize direct purchases of games. An exact number is unknown as three different figures present in internal exchanges have been redacted in the CMA report. So this is very different from what Microsoft gaming boss Phil Spencer has previously said. Uh, granted, it was four years ago in a 2018 levelup.com interview, but he claimed back then that Game Pass actually encourages sales of the base game. So basically, we're saying that Game Pass is significantly eating into game sales on Xbox uh, Xbox. <laughs> Which seems obvious to me, but Microsoft just hasn't admitted it until now. Is this any surprise to you, Ali? Uh, kind of makes sense. Like, I understand now. Like, because as as a person that always preaches, oh, it's on Game Pass. There's no risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so that generally means that, like, I'm like, I will take the plunge in trying a game or trying a title. Um, because of its connection to Game Pass. And I have to be honest, I'm, I'm not too sure how many of those attempts of me playing a game would translate into me actually doing a, like, full-on, like, set, like buying a game in full, if that makes mm. sense. Like, going out there and, like, per- purposefully buying the game um, out of Game Pass kind of thing. So... I, I, I see what I see what this article is saying. Yeah. I mean people that know me will know that I bought an Xbox kind of halfway through last year. It's my first Xbox and mm-hmm. I've played a lot of stuff on Game Pass, but what I haven't done is buy games Sporting for game. the Xbox. I think I bought The Witcher Two, which was like twelve dollars because it came out in I don't know, two thousand and nine or something. And that's the only money that I've put into that ecosystem that's not related to game pass and i'm i'm assuming that that's actually quite a common thing because almost anything that's worth playing as far as exclusive to that console is going to be included in game pass so when Mm -hmm. a game like you know 
Starfield comes out that would usually sell, you know, five, 10 million copies on a console, it's going to go to everyone that's already subscribed to Game Pass and a few more people will subscribe for, you know, $1 if it's your, your, your trial or $15, $16 a month, whatever it is. Mm. So that's, yeah, how can it not eat into your, your game sales? And I think it's kind of a bit cheeky for them to take this long kind of pretending as if it's it's helping them, you know. And, you know, they have a strategy and depending on what you read into, is it paying off? Is it not paying off? That's It's kind of, it's debatable. Mm. But it, it, it also shows in the context of this acquisition when they're talking, you know, particularly about Call of Duty, there really isn't going to be, I think, a great incentive for them to make it exclusive to Xbox because it's going to sell millions of copies on the PlayStation, which puts money in their pocket at Microsoft. So um, whether or not they're just calling each other's bluff in expecting that to happen or pretending like it won't happen, Mm. I I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Okay, should we move into the state of play? Yeah. All right. So the state of play came uh, two days ago, as or was it yesterday? I can't even remember at this point. Um, yes. But uh, <laughs> was it yesterday? Yesterday. It, this, this, this is how memorable the state of play was. Uh, we can't even remember when it happened. But uh, we, we kicked off. We'll, we'll run through all the games that were talked about and just kind of focus in on the ones that kind of matter to us. But we started off with PSVR showing off five games. Um, good time to mention that PSVR 2 launched to the public this week. People seem to be loving it, including a few people in our community. So I'm very happy for those of you out there that are racing your Gran Turismo 7s and uh, climbing your mountains. <laughs> uh, I think Brendan, because he seems to not be able to help himself when it comes to buying toys, will be able to give a review of the PSVR 2 before too long. Mm-hmm. But by all accounts, this is a very good console um PSVR unit for the price and everyone, like all the reviews seem to be digging it. So good on you, PSVR 2. The Foglands was announced as a 2023 game, Green Hell, Journey to Foundation, Before Your Eyes, and then the first game of note that we'll talk about, Destiny 2. We had a Lightfall trailer. Ali, this is your jam. Tell us what you thought. Um, I absolutely excited. Like the hype for um, Lightfall just keeps on elevating and elevating and then having this little snippet of a trailer just showing us a little bit more of this character that we're kind of slowly being introduced to um, and this planet where we are hoping to find a device that's going to stop the witness who is that scary dude with the smoky head that a lot of people saw um, and a uh, side note for me personally, we are getting the return of one of my favorite baddies, which is Callus, um, and um, seeing him return as um, working with the witness. Um, and yeah, it's just it, it looks like it's going to be a, a, a spectacle, a spectacle, and um, very curious to see where this will be taking the destiny story and lore in the future because we feel like there's going to be actually a, a yeah, bit of right. a shift after this one. So. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even be able to tell you a character from Destiny 2 or, or Destiny. So you have to listen to Ali on this one and just trust her. She knows what she's talking about. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Chia was announced uh, March 21. It's hitting 
PlayStation Deluxe, like the PlayStation Plus collection there. So if you're a subscriber at that level, you'll get to play it day one. Uh, Humanity was revealed, which came from the developers of uh, Res Infinite and Tetris Effect, I believe. Mm-hmm. This looks like a 3D Lemmings. Lemmings, yeah. Was that your vibe? As yeah, well? I agree. <laughs> it yep. was just like players, like characters getting led around, sometimes perhaps to their death. It's hard to tell, but it definitely you can Good see that lemmings. Tetris Effect lighting visuals that. Um, just pops so well on the screen too so that one i think could could do well um it looks creative and like there's an aspect of user um generated content in there too so i can see people having a lot of fun with Hmm. humanity in may goodbye volcano high was revealed with a june 15 release date naruto ultimate ninja storm for the weebs out there Baldur's Gate 3 got a release date of August 31. It's going to hit PS5 and PC. I did see a story in the wake of this that, uh, you know, where's the Xbox release date? Apparently, it's been pushed on the Series X and S, yeah, because of Mm -hmm. some technical issues, which um, I saw Ryan McCaffrey at IGN was saying this is the first time that he's noted, and he would know, um, Mm -hmm. of a delay that specifically seems to be related to the series s and its limitations compared mm. to the x mm. so that's an interesting wrinkle there um this was uh, as 8-bit close followers will know brendan's new year's resolution to jump into the Baldur's gate franchise so he'll be able to do that late in august <laughs> wayfinder was the next game announced we saw street fighter 6 with a close look at three of the characters there Mm-hmm. Uh, Resident Evil 4 had a trailer shown with a demo coming soon. Mm-hmm. The game's release date is March 24, which, you know, as of recording is less than a month away. So the demo must be very soon. We still don't know yeah. the date. But um, this one actually made me less excited for the <laughs> game because I'm a complete noob when it comes to this particular entry into Resident Evil, and I was kind of thinking, where are all the zombies? Why does this look like a Final Fantasy game with the way these characters are talking? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I My thing was, I'm like, I could have sworn that the... Um, is it the President's Daughter? It's been a while since I've played this one, but I, I, I thought she was younger. And then, like, seeing her in the trailer, I'm like, she looks way older. Like, <laughs> I thought she was young. So I don't know if that's a design choice or not, but that kind of threw me off. But um, yeah, the the enemies, um, yeah, the enemies kind of like the 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 classic one that I remember from this franchise was the man wearing the um like the sack on his head with the chainsaw, and he didn't look that scary. Or maybe I was just more of a scaredy cat back then, but it didn't look that scary <laughs> in the trailer. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I have no doubt based on its reputation that this is going to be a really good game. I haven't, like, like I said, I haven't played the original. People love this game. Like, it's they like do. some people, it's like their favorite game of all time. So I just know that it's going to be worth playing. It just doesn't seem like it almost seemed like it was a different world than RE2 and RE3. And maybe that's accurate, or maybe it was just the way this trailer was presented. But, you know, I'll still play it. Um, it's just made me a little less hyped because I yeah. now I now I don't know what I'm like I have a different <laughs> idea of what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. That's fair. So the main game 
in this state of play that we'll talk about here, and the biggest reaction we saw by far was for Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. There was a deep dive into this release from Rocksteady, and the general takeaway I've had is that people are not digging this. Uh, Ali, what was your reaction? I know you're, you're a huge DC fan, especially when it comes to like the villains in that world, mm. um, so I don't know exactly where you're at with hype levels around Kill the Justice League, but what was your reaction to seeing footage? Uh, I'm not excited. There's a lot of things about the character interactions that are kind of throwing me off. Um, not to mention, and I, yeah. I don't think I was ever believing that the game was going to be of the 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 really intense high quality that we got when they started announcing this game and show, like kind of just showing us the snippets and snippets of it. And it was this really super detailed um graphically gorgeous um like like sequences that we were sh- seeing but now now that we saw gameplay and the gameplay like it just it definitely declined like like the cityscapes and just the interaction with enemies it 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 definitely it definitely like decreased a little bit and th- what i love is that there's a lot of people that are making connections to destiny yeah and i'm like i I mean i can see some elements but yeah like i think a lot of people are disappointed too this is very much like a like a high focus on like just shooting just like waves and shooting and like those kind of things it seems like each character has their own thing but um i don't know overall i'm just i'm I'm not super excited for this one yeah the reaction seems to be that this feels like a very generic shooter there's you know airborne combat harley swinging around like spider-man you got the shark jumping in the air like superman it seems like they've just borrowed things from popular games and haven't really stuck to the formula of what people love about rocksteady and that's not to say that you have to make another batman game because it's obviously not a batman game and it, Mm. it couldn't be but at the same time, this feels out of place in that world. Like the dialogue is kind of cringy and lo- yeah. very lighthearted, almost like going for more of a Marvel tone. But we've got an established world here. It, it is the same world as the Arkham games. It's not, you know, a new take, a reboot. It's meant to be set in that universe. Um, and they've already done four great games with a gritty kind of darker style. And mm. then on top of that, on top of looking like a generic shooter where every character is blasting guns and swinging, flying through the air, I guess just hitting home that this is a live service game. It's always online. Mm -hmm. It just makes you wonder like, how long does this game have? Like what are are its legs? We've seen from Marvel's Avengers and Babylon five. Was it Babylon (laughs) five? No, that was a TV show. Whatever that Babylon game was called. Um, that there's a lot of studios known as single-player developers who've gone into live services and they haven't been able to make that transition successfully. I know that Destiny came from a developer that created Halo and that was a really mm. successful transition where they, they at least had experience with multiplayer development, whereas it just feels like they're destined to go down that path that Marvel's Avengers went down and 
every item has a gear score and you know it's, yeah it just feels it just doesn't feel like a rock steady game and i think what they what people wanted and expected was that they created a multiplayer experience that still felt grounded in that rock steady world and connected to it through the gameplay and the storytelling and at the moment it just doesn't seem to to feel that way yeah it feels like a generic game where they threw a a dc skin on it yeah so i think that's very much the attitude that's out there in the gaming world like just looking on socials there was a lot of disappointment about how generic this looks but you know the game hasn't come out yet we're not writing it off We'll, we'll see how it goes but um yeah, the hype levels are definitely lower after that announcement, and that's definitely not what you want as a studio and as a fan of of you know the, the franchise of, of Arkham and whatnot. Tweet of the week. What do we got here? So, as we mentioned, PSVR two came out this week, and Horizon Call of the Mountain is the probably the biggest, the most triple A new release. Obviously, there's been some older games that have had psvr2 patches including you know resident evil village i think and g uh, gran turismo 7 but i've got a tweet here from joseph moran aka mr bad bit on twitter who is a host of the trophy room podcast and says that in horizon call of the mountain you can give aloy a little boop on the nose confirmed and there's a little clip of him doing so you know, with the hand controls, the little tap on the nose as she <laughs> continues to talk to you just as a regular cutscene, kind of oblivious to uh, the, the condescending, patronizing gestures mm-hmm. that are happening of the player. So thought that was quite fun. And it's just a great little example of the fun you can have with PSVR and immersing yourself in that world. True. Uh, <laughs> so good on you, uh, Joseph. New releases and events. It's time to look at what's coming up this week. We have, as far as the podcasting space, More Than Hentai, an anime appreciation podcast, is tackling Chainsaw Man with Jesse Munro from Story Mode Podcast. So don't miss that one. Even though Brendan's on his world tour, you're still going to get your latest episode <laughs> of anime appreciation. On the small screen, we have Mandalorian Season 3, as mentioned before. The Star Wars oversaturation continues, but this is uh, this is gonna, I think there's a lot of excitement for this, and um, people keen to see where it picks up after the characters were featured in the Book of Boba Fett. Spoilers, I guess, if you haven't seen the Book of Boba oh. Fett, but you know it, you've had time. Uh, pa- party Down season three. Are you a Party Down fan, Ali? Uh, no. I've had a lot of people tell me that I should watch it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Perhaps this will be the uh, impetus for you to get on board because it's such a great series and it's full of people who are now way bigger, you know, actors and and talent than they probably were when the show originally aired. Mm -hmm. I think 2009 was the second season of this show and it's been 13 years, but they're coming back, which is such a strange thing to happen, but I'm yeah. all about it. Uh, keen to see where that group of uh, characters is at in 2023, or does it pick up where they left off in 2010? We'll see. Mm. Uh, that's airing on Stars in the US and Stan over here. 
I did not realize this, but there's a True Lies TV show that's hitting CBS in the States this week. Did you know about this one? Like the True Lies movie? Yeah, like the James Cameron, Arnie, they've adapted it for TV. Why? I don't know if it's airing over here, but um, yeah, CBS over there. Maybe you can uh, let us know what the word on the street is about True Lies. It's it's a, it's a James Cameron moment in 2023. Mm. I don't know if he's been involved, though. Moving over to the big screen, Creed 3. I'm very excited about Creed continuing. Um, I don't know if it will ever reach the number of Rocky movies, but we've got to three so far. It's pretty impressive. Mm. Um, I don't know if I'll get a chance to actually watch it because my wife's giving birth like any day now. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. hard to run away for for that long without worrying about being called back home. Um, <laughs> and I wouldn't want that to happen in the middle of Creed 3 because I love Creed. Demon Slayer. Kimetsu no Yaiba to the Swordsmith Village 2023. I thought that uh, I owed it to Brendan to mention an anime release that seems pretty significant. Are you a Demon Slayer fan? No, that didn't get into that one. Sure. Well, that comes out on March the 3rd, along with Creed 3, so enjoy, if that's what you're all about. Uh, I thought we'd delve into the 10th of March as well, because the next episode of this podcast might not come out until after that. We've got 65, the movie that has dinosaurs, and I know Brendan will be very excited about. And then Scream 6, which... And Brendan will probably also be excited about. So it's 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 a good time to be Brendan, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a Scream person? Nah. I think I've seen the first two. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of them. I've seen Scary Movie, though. So I feel like I know what it's about. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, games. Let's talk games. So Wo Long Fallen Dynasty from Koei Tecmo hits consoles and PC on March the 3rd. It's day one on Game Pass, so check that out if it interests you. Fatal Frame, Mask of the Lunar Eclipse will release on the 9th of March on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Train Life, a railway simulator, launches on March 9 on the Nintendo Switch. I'm guessing none of those games are up your alley, Ali. Uh, Fatal Frame is a pretty popular horror franchise um i have only played well kind of played one until it scared me so much i stopped playing it so not likely to pick up the second one then not no (laughs) okay well that brings us to the end of the show uh any closing words from you ali before we wrap it up not good to go thank you for joining me yeah, it's been fun, um, as always. I hope I'm invited back one day, but um, maybe the three of us can all be here for that one. So, yeah. audiotechnica.com.au for all your audio needs, or audiotechnica, sorry, audio-technica.com if you're in the US. Brendan will be back for episode 318. We don't know exactly when that will be, but I believe it won't be the next week, but probably the week after. Is that right? That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you can catch Ali on socials at Miss Ali Hart. You can catch me at Jono himself. And Brendan, travel safe wherever you are. Uh, stay warm. I know mm-hmm. it's like minus two degrees. Uh, but until next time, boys and girls, much love. And stay hungry. 
You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.